0: All right, you ready? I'm ready. Music bed this thing. You know you want to get up and dance to that music bed. I
1: love it. I mean, it's really good. I mean, it's something. Do you write that yourself?
0: (laughs) No, man. This came with Zencaster. It's free. (laughs) I love it. It's rights free, which is critical considering the budget that our podcast actually has. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Rights free. Perfect.
0: Well, I'm at home. Where are you, Jason Pridmore? I
1: am sitting in a garage. Actually, I'm sitting in Simon's garage. He's got a kitchen and all that stuff up here. So if it's a little echoey, that's what it is. I'm at Chuck Walla. I've been here. I've been on the road, Greg, since Button Willow. And uh, I think what did I do last week? I did the podcast. Where did I do it last week? I did it. I did it at that uh, house. Hotel didn't I?
0: room? No, 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 no. Last week you were in a, a room somewhere. Hotel room? I was at, I was
1: at that. Uh, where was it? I rented a house last week. That's I just can't right. remember That's where we did was. this.
0: Yeah, Palm but, Springs. Palm Springs somewhere, yeah. right? Yeah. Rented yep. a house with your
1: boys. My boys, Nate and Lincoln, and we played golf all week, which was good. And then I ended up having to be here Friday, which ended up not happening. So I ended up just staying out in Palm Springs area. Came up here Sunday night. Rode here yesterday with all the iconic track day guys. Um, that would have been a fun day for you to come to because there was a lot of – uh a lot of cool bikes that iconic has. If you haven't checked them out, check them out on Instagram. Um, they have just really, really cool old school. Um, I think one of Zemke's Bruce transportation bikes was here, uh, that kind of thing, those guys do a great job of restoring and making those bikes look cool so that they had a, they had a day here yesterday. So I taught here a little bit yesterday and then today was like a member's day. And, uh, Michael Dunlop came out, which was great to meet him. He rode, him and Michael Gilbert. I think Gilbert's doing a story on him because he's out here for wow, Greg. I mean, he's out here for three weeks. I think he went he went mining for gold up in Alaska and then came down here.
0: <laughs> really? Yeah,
1: like that's what he was doing. I didn't really get to ask him about it. Mikey knows about it, but that's where he was. He was up in Alaska. He's got somebody up there that that was like, yeah, searching for gold still. So they were up there doing that. And then um, came down here, rode here. He was headed to Vegas, then he was headed to Utah to go to park city to do a little snowboarding with a a sponsor that he has here and then he's headed off to daytona
0: are you at chuck walla over this weekend coming up like coming up i'm here until sunday oh you're gonna see jake lewis jake lewis told me he's coming out to ride walla and and i I had asked him because the the mid that mid-south cross-country series is in hurricanes mill tennessee so i was texting him like hey you are you doing that still because i know he's back to road racing so i was like what are you doing he said no i'm going to chuck walla this weekend good and for like, him yeah, good for you Get on yeah I, I
1: wonder uh i wonder like um yeah i wonder what day he's going to be here and all that because it's really gotten to the point now here where i mean it's so motorcycle uh dominated it seems like i know they still run a lot of car events here but we've just got this like uh huge like fraternity of people that are becoming members here that are motorcyclists so you know i think today the most people i saw on track was probably six, but, uh, but there was, but there was, I mean, the weather was perfect. So I got to, I got to spin and rip some laps with Corey Alexander, which was good today. And I went and rode out with, uh, Michael Gilbert, Michael Dunlop for some laps, but I worked all morning and just getting stuff done. So, you know, thanks for putting up with me and my schedule and, uh, doing this in the evening of Tuesday rather than in the morning of Tuesday, like we normally do. Normally we could do it Wednesday morning, but I'll be teaching all day tomorrow and Thursday as well.
0: Yeah, it works out. I'll get it up. And, um, I, I leave on Thursday to head to Foley, Alabama for the first round of this outdoor archery tournament season. Nice. uh, That'll actually air on sportsman's channel on Sunday. So it's like the first kind of big move for, for archery to get on a major network in quite some years. So that'll be, uh, it'll be good. Five people make the finals and they're, you know, shoot for some good prize money and everything else. It'll be round one of six for the season. So it's good, but Everybody, welcome to the Grace Garage Pod with co-host Jason Pridmore. And what we're going to do today is start you off with some news presented by Arai. And then we're going to head into some Supercross Orlando 2 uh, results and some comments about that stuff, including we talked to Chad Reed, who's a Supercross champ in his own right. Then we're going to talk about fantasy. And I have to tell you, I just love talking about fantasy. I mean, it's like my favorite thing to talk about mm-hmm. every week, and sure. I really look forward to mm-hmm. talking about it every single week. And this uh-huh. week, Jason, there's no exception. I mean, I'm so pumped mm-hmm. to talk about fantasy and what happened, and who's I'm leading sure the way, and yeah, well, it's great. You know, you would forget
1: like, it. if if you didn't have your own podcast, you'd never get a mention. So just keep that in mind.
0: Well, Jason, I think that really, if you look at fantasy, it just kind of. Mm-hmm brings us closer as frenemies. Oh, AJP. yeah,
1: it definitely does. It brought me closer to you this week, going backwards.
0: Hello. So, yeah. And then a little bit about uh, what's going to happen next week and the race calendar and that kind of stuff. So you want to jump right into it and do our news presented by Ari or what? Yeah, let's do it. Yep. Hey, JP, did you know that avoiding impact energy intrusions by sliding or glancing off surfaces and obstacles is a key role of a helmet shell requiring a strong smooth shell for this purpose Arai handcrafts each shell to be as strong and light as possible with a high fiber to resin ratio of proprietary super fiber and z resin however this process leaves a rough surface which requires many steps to prepare it for a beautifully smooth finish without adding extra weight even though invisible these details improve protection and that's Arai's obsession so check out AraiAmerica's.com, pick what you like and then head down your local dealer for Fitment. Grab yourself a new lid there, buddy. All right? Talking about maybe getting a Tom Brady replica helmet someday.
1: <laughs>
0: Americas.com. Oh, by the way, did you see on social media the new lid that I've got for Battle of the Olds?
1: You know, colb has been busting my ears about this. Yeah, I did see it. It looked pretty good. It was nice of Arai to send you that.
0: It was nice of Arai to send me that. Yeah, and actually, I have to confess something. It wasn't the helmet I chose. I chose something um, a bit more conservative and boring, but the response on social media has been crazy. Like, dude, yeah. that helmet is sick! And ride told me it's one of their best, brand new, like sellers. So I'm like, I kind of no, lucked into. Great. You know what I mean? Like, I lucked into a. And fashion that's statement, them putting it on
1: your fat head. I mean, once they do that, they're going to be selling out of those things
0: like hotcakes, hotcakes,
1: as hot you would those, say. oh
0: freaking yeah, hotcake, I mean, wicked hotcakes, hot hot spots, yeah, <laughs> hot, hot spots, Johnny hot Morton. Spots. Johnny Norton, our Gotta producer. Gotta love him. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, Colb's a little excited. We'll we'll talk about that later, Jay. But yeah, yep. Look, we're gonna we're gonna start this news off on something we normally don't talk about. It's it's some sad news. Um, word came out, you know, this morning, which is Tuesday, that GP World Champ and MotoGP Team Owner Fausto Grassini passed away after a two month long battle with COVID nineteen. Our condolences go out to the Grassini family Jay. For me, Fausto was one of the most welcoming guys that, you know, every time MotoGP came to the States, the door was always open, you know, to come into his area and talk to his riders and stuff. And he will definitely be missed.
1: Well, you know, what a lot of people don't remember is that when you were doing some MotoGP stuff, um... Uh, you know you had access to quite a few of these guys and he's one of those guys that you used to always say it was just great along with i, I believe it was herve Ponchera. He, he's another oh, yeah. guy it's funny you know you walk through the paddock with greg and you know he sees somebody like urba herve, and urba's got legions of people around him and if he sees greg it's like you know old friends type of thing so i know you had some relationships that you had built in there over in moto Gp and when you see something like this you know greg with with covid and what it's been and what it's done and how it's changed and how it can affect different people. There's a lot of people that get over this. And then there's some people that just don't. And we don't know anything about um, Fausto's, uh, you know, kind of, if he had any other uh, specific problems in his life as far as um, conditions go that caused COVID to be a lot worse for him. Obviously, battling it for two months. I think you said he even celebrated his 60th birthday in the hospital, which is sad. Um, But when you look at the outpouring of love and support that guy had over over the course of, uh, social media, mainly Instagram, uh, today you could tell how well he was liked and and what people actually thought about him. So, and I know he always gave you access.
0: Yeah, he was a good dude. He's definitely going to be missed and he, he impacted a lot of people's lives and it was a really good stepping stone for some riders and another good, uh, you know, sidestep that other riders could, you know, stay and, and extend their careers in MotoGP. But anyway, um, let's switch over to some some brighter news, Jay. Uh, South African Matthew Skultz returned to the U.S. recently and returned to the saddle of his Westby Racing Yamaha R1. He was at Road Atlanta last weekend. And from what I heard, he was fast right out of the gate. Team manager Chuck Jacetto texted me, Jay, and he said, quote, 45 degrees. Matt comes around on his outlap like it's Superpole, unquote. And that's a good sign for them. Maybe not for the rest of the grid, but you know, it's it's well, pretty. Yeah, I mean, you know, last
1: like time we saw Matt, he was trying to walk on a broken ankle. I think getting into a car at uh, Indy in an accident that had no fault of his own, which was a shame because uh, he was putting together a nice little season last year. Yeah, and sometimes when that happens to you, you come back with a you know, a little chip on your shoulder, a little bit bum. He's probably been dying to get back on a bike and uh, get ripping again. And when you're when you it, this is when as a rider, if you get hurt or injured coming back to the same team helps you so much because you're going to have the support of people that know you and care about you already. So, you know, their main concern is let's just make sure that we do everything right in our corner uh, to not give any more negatives at all. Like whether the bike, you know, breaks or wrong tire pressure, any, any of that stuff. And that team, obviously um, first class, uh, first class team is the Westby guys. And so it probably helps Matt to be able to come back and know that he could pick up where he left off probably be a little bit better. He knows, I mean, he knows the championship's up for grabs this year and without question, he's, you know, when we start coming up with our predictions in a few weeks time before round one, um, you know, Matt's going to be one of those guys that we're going to consider for sure. No doubt. in
0: My mind. Anyways, I totally agree with you. And I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say anything specifically, but I know that in addition to the people he's had around him last year, they've added one extra person to work, uh, like basically with Matt in the pits, you know, on the motorcycle and an absolute top notch guy, like what a get that they got for him. And so that's only going to strengthen the team. So I'm, I'm pretty pumped, you know, yep. for the Westby team and for Matt. And I'm glad he's back on a bike and I'm glad that he was ripping, even if it was 45 degrees, I guess there were a lot of red flags and some other things going on. So it wasn't, you know, it was a track day and it wasn't, yeah, a it happens, day, yep. but yeah, it happens. And they at least got out on the bike now, sticking with moto America, Series. Um, some news finally came out from the M4X Star Suzuki camp. A bit of news, the bit of news that we got was that South African youngster Sam Lockoff will be joining the team in super sport. Lockoff comes off of a successful Junior Cup season. He's now 18 years old and he is hungry, JP. Yeah, what do you well, think about that move?
1: Uh, I think that when you look at Sam and, and what he did last year, um, I mean, he did such a great job, especially getting himself up on the podium, racing with Rocco was good. I knew the move was coming uh, just cause I know them a little bit, uh, him and his father. So I know they wanted to do it and let's be fair. He signed on with a team with a ton of experience. So hopefully they'll be able to move him along and help him uh, adapt to that 600 the best he can. So I know he's been down there riding at Jennings. It's it's kind of no secret. He's been down there with PJ Jacobson. They've been putting it all over the, you know, all, all over Instagram and things. So both guys looked like they were on M4 bikes. Uh, they were both at least the colors of those bikes. So, Kind of makes you wonder what's going on with PJ possibly for next year. But it, it might have just been a thing where he was able to borrow a bike and work with with Sam a little bit down there as well. So not really reading into the PJ thing too much, but we know that Sam's going to be there. So good for him.
0: Yeah, and last year's Junior Cup runner-up is also headed to Supersport. 19-year-old Dominic Doyle. So Doyle will be staying with Barkhan Racing as they make the jump with him. Now he'll be racing a Kawasaki ZX6R. Supersport, shaping up to be something like can the Landers Doyle Battle Royale continues. What do you think about Dominic Doyle going?
1: I think it's great. I, another kid that's that's ready to move up. He looks good on the bike. Uh, I know they had a few different options that they were looking into as far as where they were going to go, what they were going to do. And, uh, you know, news is out now that he's going to be on that Cowie. I kind of knew he was going to be on a Kawasaki anyways, but good he's going to be staying around guys or people that he knows at least with uh with the BartCon team he's had success with them i think they even put out a press release basically saying it wouldn't look right to see dom in any other colors but theirs because they've got a little history and um you know it's good we've got three youngsters coming up from junior cup top three guys from last year all jumping up into the 600 super sport category so um that's what we wanted to be able to see we want to see these kids get moved along um from from one class to the next It'll be interesting to see, like the rookie season, who kind of I've seen Rocco on a six hundred. I know how fast he is, and I you know I know Dom and Sam are going to be right there chomping at the bit as well, and all three on different brands of bikes. I think that's kind of interesting too.
0: Yeah, very much so. Yeah, so so it'll be what Rocco's going to be on a Yamaha R six, Dominic on a six R, and of course uh the GSXR six hundred will be Sam Lockoff's ride. Going to be good, and you know what's really interesting. If you look at that field, wouldn't you say, if Sean Dillon Kelly stays in the field, because we haven't really gotten confirmation whether he's going to be there or not, but if he stays in the field, he's what? How old is he? 20? 19? Yes. Yeah, he's like He's the wily veteran at this point.
1: Yeah, him and Escalante both. I mean, really, when you look at it, it's with Escalante seemingly, you know, uh, I saw their rig actually pull in here to Chuck Walla. They were here last month as well. They're here again. So I know they're going, you know, they're going to be doing some testing and stuff here this weekend. But uh, with him coming back, it's it'll be nice to see how these guys can measure up against him. Having a returning champion, I think, is always good. As a young guy getting into the championship, because you can kind of you got a measuring stick now. You know, you got somebody that's been there, done that, won championships. You know, you know if you come into a season and you can beat a guy that is tenacious as SDK was last year to Richie Escalante. you know, that's, that's the measuring stick. And these kids all coming in young as young teenagers as well. Not, they're not coming in as like, you know, 19, almost 20, you know, Sam just turns 18. I think Dom is right around the same. Uh, And then obviously Rocco's younger. So we have, you know, three pretty bright kids there as far as futures go um, and age. So we'll be able to see kind of what they do. Yeah.
0: So that's pretty uh, much it for our news from a but I do want to say this uh you know launched today was part 1 of behind stars and the and behind star wait MotoGP behind stars and stripes i think but anyway yep. it's it's that, on, on motogp.com it's on motogp.com it's okay. also yep. if you don't have it it's available on nbc sports so if you go to NBC sports.com, how i find it found it was literally type in joe roberts stars and stripes and the video yep. pops up it's part 1 of 3 and it's uh it it's it's pretty cool. It gives you a lot of insight into the season. You know, it's one thing as you know Jason to be outside looking in and having like a macro perspective, but when you're focused as a rider, there's a lot more ups and downs I think than people really realize and a lot more success and what it means to each rider. But the one takeaway I will say from this is if you listen to what John Hopkins says in there it's just the same thing with Joe Roberts. It's all about that mental strength and building it, building it, building it. So it's uh, it's very insightful and it's good and it's a nice review of the season. So check that out. So that's yeah, our for sure. That sounds great. Presented by Ride.
1: Yeah, no, that sounds good. And I think that you're right, Greg. The mental tenacity of of writers now it's just it's got to be. uh, I mean, there's just so many good writers, and when you look at uh, the different series around the world. um, man, that mental strength is going to, it's got to come from somewhere. So even having a team like that with Hopper involved, I think was good for Joe last year. I know he's excited about his new deal. So I think he's going to be tough to beat. He's, he's, he's been grinding pretty hard. So uh, it'll be good, good for Joe to maybe make a switch to a team that won the championship last year. And I know he's hungry to do so, but we had some racing Saturday night, Greg. Um, We were at round number eight of 17. So we're about halfway done with this championship, and uh, I, you know, the guy that I really think is going to be hard to beat, Cooper Webb. It um, was the only thing I got right all weekend. By the way, in fantasy, I, I thought <laughs> Cooper Webb would win, and he did. He ends up he ends up beating his teammate Marvin Muscan, um, uh at uh, at Orlando, Barsha, who was I read a release, Greg. I don't know if you saw this, but I read a release saying Barsha's out for the night, and I'm like, oh, that sucks. And the next thing you know, I see him lining up at the gate doing well in his heat, and then finishing third in the main. So uh, beware of the injured dog, I guess they say. And uh, and Justin Barsha ends up putting on the podium, and he had a fight under his hands because Ken Rockson came from a long way back and was able to pick up fourth place, but he fought Barsha pretty hard. Jason Anderson definitely on a resurgence. He was quick as qualifier. He won his heat, looked fast all night. He ends up fifth. Eli Tomac, again, with another one of those subpar finishes, ends up sixth. With Stuart Osborne and Plessinger and Justin Bogle rounding out the top ten, and what we're starting to see here too, the other guy was a little disappointed with Dylan Fernandez. He qualified like third quickest on the night, ends up eleventh. But what we're starting to see, Greg, is we're starting to see people get dinged up again, and that's that's you know that's why you're going to see some of these other names jump into the top ten, taking nothing away from them. But uh, you know, I was again, Adam C and Cirillo tips off in the whoops. So bummed for the kid. Like there's just there's just something there, and I got some. Some emails last week uh, talking about how, uh, from some of our from our listeners, uh, and thank you for sending those to me, by the way, uh, about, you know, he, he's kind of been dinged up. He's been hurt a little bit. That's probably one of the reasons why he's been uh, maybe not able to go the full distance at the speed he starts at, but it's these little tiny mistakes. It's the little stuff that he does. And unfortunately it seems like when Adam does that occasionally he has to pay the price. I read now that he's out for six weeks with a broken collarbone. Other guys to get hurt on the night, um, obviously the seven-deuce-deuce. Deuce. Everybody knows Adam Entignap. He did the same thing, broke his collarbone. Um, and we'll, we'll get to the 250 guys that kind of got dinged up in a minute because it was the first round of 250 West Coast. But do you think right now, Greg, if I put – I'm asking the wrong guy. But if I put money in front of you and I said <laughs> Cooper Webb or Ken right. Roxon, Cooper Webb or Ken Roxon with nine rounds to go, who are you sliding your money towards?
0: Well, Cooper, because he's actually done this before as well. Yeah. So there there is history there. And, and Cooper, n- not only has Cooper Webb shown over his career that he tends to be stronger in the second half of races, Cooper tends to be stronger in the second half of seasons as well. So, I, I you know, I I kind of hate it for Rocks And I think that when they came out of the gate, the Honda was just really kind of heads up over a lot of people brand new. And I think Red Bull KTM is kind of, sorted some things out right now and it's a great bike but they just had to get a couple clicks here and a couple clicks there and the fact that they went one two is a big deal and so i, I you know i don't know i mean i'm a little surprised about ken but i cooper is where my money would sit sorry yeah, well cooper, let's forget that no, if i put money on you then you're dead i mean yeah something. i know you're, you're just Cooper Web, the kiss of you know? death anything yeah, that
1: okay. greg and i put our money towards although i got a little better record than greg but the last couple of weeks have made me a little suspect in the old fantasy world um it my heart You know, the thing is, though, when you look at it, Cooper Webb got hurt last year, then set out all super, all motocross season. So, you know, probably getting back into the swing of things at the beginning of the year was something that, that, you know, he had to do. And when you look at it too, Greg, it's, um, the thing about Cooper Webb is he kind of quietly goes on rolls and he doesn't have those really, really awful bad races. I mean, you look at it right now, Roxon's at 180, Cooper Webb's at 174. I mean, Tomac is all but out of this now. He's at 149 points. I mean, he's, he's 31 points back. Now, don't get me wrong. I know people are going to go, oh, yeah, there's nine races left. I get it. There's nine races left. But if you go based off of what the momentum is right now, if these guys continue to finish. If Eli Tomac doesn't go to Daytona and do what he normally does at Daytona and start getting this train turned around a little bit, I think it's going to be hard for him to do. I think that he's planning on going to Daytona and doing what he always does. It's a rough track. It's a very outdoorsy type of place, and he usually dominates there. Um, And I suspect that that will be the case again this Saturday when they get to Daytona. But if he doesn't with a 31-point deficit, I feel like this is where his season has to turn around.
0: Yeah, and, you know, Jay, if you look at just, like, the point spread itself, it's 26 Mm -hmm. points for a win, 23 for second, 21 for third, for fourth is 19. So, like, if you just scan it, you can see that what wins championships is piling up points that begin with the number two. You know, mm-hmm. and if yeah. you look at it right now, Roxon has only had two nights where he's dropped below the number two. He's, you know, Houston round two, he scored 14 points in Orlando. He scored 19 points. Yeah. So Cooper yeah. Webb, he's on a run, you know, where, where he's on a run right now where he's got three of those points paying in a row. But if you look at Eli Tomac, man, he's only had two nights where he scored in the twenties and he yeah. scored as little as 10 points in Houston one. So, you know, barring the inevitable, Uh, possibility of injury for someone, you know, the whoops getting rocks or the whoops getting web. We're looking at it. Like there's nine races left. If things stay the way they are in terms of these three riders, rocks and web and Tomac stay healthy. Tomac doesn't look like he's in a good position right now. It doesn't look like they figured something out. And, and honestly, Jay, it seems like Tomac has lost the step. Since he won this championship last year, and- but,
1: but you say that, but he's been doing this for three years, four years. He's like, kind of, hey, gets these like kind of lackluster results. It's kind of strange to me, you know. It's like, I, 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 guess you know he wins the championship last year, but if you look at the way the season ended at Utah, what did they do? The final like nine rounds there at Utah are six rounds. I can't remember seven, what seven it was. Or, yeah, seven.
0: Yeah, seven it was or nine. Whatever. It was almost like
1: had. he got into a rhythm, got into a comfortable place where he could sit at home, or, you know, sit wherever he was for those weeks get into a, a proper schedule and he just kind of went on a run and started winning every weekend and they seemed like they got the bike sorted his starts were good yada yada and it's like it seems now that when you look at things everything just seems like it's coming really tough to him and I think you know the tracks this year have been you know I say this the tracks seem like they've been a little bit weird to me hard to pass you hear Ricky talk about it a lot um, the whoop section this weekend was horrendous like it was I don't even know what it really was it was like
0: I, I don't know. It was It was tough. It
1: was They're really jumping tough. them in the first set, like first heat. And it's like I, you know, whoops to me and I, and I'm not a super cross guy, but it's like there's a isn't there kind of a skill level to skim them to get over the top of them and Yeah. and if they're it,
0: set up if they're set up, you know, in a way to correct. do that. Sure. And this would
1: be something that, you know, I'm sure Chad Reed would tell us about when we get him back on the podcast as far as the whoops go. I saw him make an actual comment on it. And then I'm watching the races and I'm like, man, he's so right because normally you'll see some guys skimming it, some guys jumping it. You know, Muscan's famous for jumping into them and that. But it just seemed like like, whoever did the whoop design this week got confused or something. So it, well, it just didn't, you, it One, one thing to, to keep
0: in mind was that um, there was a tremendous amount of rain during the week. The Dirtworks, yep. right, Dirtworks crew couldn't get out there and reconfigure the track to the way that the, you know, preseason, they have these tracks laid out on paper on how they're going right, to go. Right. So this track was extremely similar to the way it was last week. And they, and they made a bit of a deal out of it. You know, for us, obviously from the road racing side of things, we're like, yeah, and like, you know, right, how right, many right, years right. has how many years has Moto America and um World Superbike done multiple races in the same weekend on exactly the same track? And you rarely ever like on World Superbike, there are very few people that have done the double in the same weekend, right? Like it's right, it's or the triple now but it's like you know to me it was a bit of a deal in terms that they were making like oh the track configuration hasn't changed people should but you know what the one thing that's so unique from road racing to motocross supercross is that those riders have to deal with the track changing every single lap and so it's something we're gonna talk about here when we talk about two fifties and an incident that happened and keeping your eyes up. But in, in road racing, to me, Jay, it's so much easier to keep your eyes down track because you're not worried about what's right in front of your wheel. Correct. No, no the,
1: doubt about it. The speeds yeah, are a lot I mean? higher than just, road racing, so you're you gotta pay attention to a little bit more what's up in front of you, right? So yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you're not looking for ruts or you're looking for new things on the surface, trying to find where the traction is like they do in supercross. So it's just it's a different animal, you know. I got it's, another it's a question totally
1: for you. No, a totally yeah. different animal. I got another question for you. Yeah, does Justin Barcia win another race this year? Yes, I agree. It's just looks fast, looks good on that bike, and yeah. Yep. Anyways, so anyways, I think uh, when you look at the 450 class right now, Rocks and Webb Tomac you're leading three. Then you got Barcia Muscan, Malcolm Stewart putting together kind of a quietly quiet year, good year. He's constantly in that kind of where is he, Greg? Like fourth to eighth, eighth. Yeah. So eighth, it's right. like yep. that's kind of where he's at each weekend. Uh, Another Cooper won this week, this time a little different, but Justin Cooper ends up winning the 250 first round of the West Coast championship. So we got to look at a whole new group of uh, 250 riders, West Coast, Cameron McAdoo, Garrett Marchbanks ends up third, Jalec Swollen, Hunter Lawrence, uh, Lawrence, I'm sorry, our fourth and fifth, Seth Hamaker, who qualified amazing, uh, riding for pro circuit, uh, rookie ends up sixth. Kyle Peters, Chris Blows, Robbie Wageman, and Jace Owen, shoot uh former arena cross champ ends up top 10. Um, you know, when I watched this race, Cooper just looked like he was head and shoulders above everybody. But I think the big news is, is that when you look at three of the guys that got kind of out of it right away, it was such a shame, such a shame to see Jeremy Martin go down again. He got landed on early right off the start. Greg looks like when we read up on what's being said on RacerX.com, it sounds like Jeremy might have uh, a problem with his shoulder, um, I'm sure there'll be more out on that this week and we'll see if he gets to the next round here. Um, Alex Martin, his brother in, in the same lap. I mean, essentially the first lap of the race, Alex Martin looked like he argued himself into a, like probably got thrown up over the bars and augured into a, a berm and, uh, ends up knocking his head, uh, pretty hard. Gets a concussion, uh, Jordan Smith, another guy that we kind of expect to be up there. He crashes out of the race. So already we're starting to see that little bit of attrition in the 250 West Coast, like much like we saw in the 250 East Coast.
0: Yeah, it was absolutely crazy, um, you know, opening lap. And it, it was kind of like the talking points were, OK, so the 250 East Championship is pretty much decimated with injuries. We have some some really fast riders at the top that have been able to avoid it. And we're going to wait 10 weeks and people will heal up. And But here we go, 250 West. We got some fresh people in here. Mostly everybody's healthy and ready to roll. And then we get one lap and boom, you know, a couple of the biggest names in the West championship are out with injury and brothers to boot. And it was right after they run the feature about how these guys are going to be racing each other, how they hadn't raced each other in a while. And then it doesn't happen. Both, both guys, by the way, that I know, you know, a little bit from my time spent in the, um, in the pro motocross paddock and both great guys, you know, just Minnesota, nice, you know, kind of thing. And so I was really kind of bummed to see all that happen, but there is an incident that we need to talk about, Jay, which is that first incident. And basically, you know, can you describe what happened? There was a red flag that came out after that first lap because of the incidents on the racetrack and Jeremy Martin, sorry, Alex Martin being down on the racetrack in the middle of kind of an entrance to a corner. Do, do you, can you kind of explain it to people what well, happened? Well, Greg, honestly,
1: I was late getting to the show on Supercross on Saturday and, um, but I got oh, okay. to see so, it, and I, yeah. and I didn't well, – What the thing is I saw it, okay? I watched the race. Uh, I made it just inside prior to that race starting. And um, uh, basically, the first lap of the race, there was carnage with obviously Jeremy Martin got landed on. Somewhere in that lap, Alex Martin uh, augers himself into the ground. And it looked to me like there was red flags, yellow flags, medic flags out. These guys were going through the whoops. Um, and basically, when they got through it all, Uh, Cameron McAdoo. I believe it was Cameron McAdoo. Not positive on that, so check check me on that. It was Cameron McAdoo. There had to be three guys working on uh, Alex Martin. It it looked to me, and I've seen it once, Greg. I I know you you said you replayed it, so you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. But he basically comes in and cleans out one of the corner workers and hits Alex Martin, who's on the ground. And I think under initial view, when you see it, uh, from a racer perspective of mine where you go, how can your awareness level be, be that little where you know that there's flags out there's, was flags out in the corner prior to them hitting the whoops that he, that, that McAdoo had gone through that said, and, and you know, might know better than I do, but, but when it comes to the whoop sections and stuff, I'm sure these guys are, are not looking up at the next corner going through the whoops. They're probably checking to make sure that they're going to get through the whoops the way they want to. And, um, Maybe he just did. obviously he didn't see the flags, uh, didn't see people stopped on the track in front of him. Uh, but it, it sure did look ugly. And it, they never talked about it on TV. Like it, it, like it just happened and they never showed a replay of it and it never really got spoken about. And I haven't read anything about it, Greg, because I haven't been reading much in the last few days. I've been busy, um, but it didn't look good. Like and, and it's been my experience at local races at motocross tracks and even supercross tracks around everywhere we've gone. It's like you see these things happen and the flagging at most motocross races and supercross races sucks. Like, honestly, it's not very good. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So just to kind of expand on what you were saying, what we saw on TV was the, you know, we saw the aftermath of the incident. We saw a rider down uh, and then the red flag comes out and they cut to a shot of the red flag being waved. I believe at start finish line. Okay, yeah. so it's right at, yeah. at, at that deal. But those the leaders were uh, halfway through the lap.
1: Didn't so it seem like the flags were, they were showing the flags for a long time. And when
0: they go back to the leaders, they're still kind of going at it. They were, and there's a yeah. reason for that. And so um, I, I actually, you know, was catching up with Chad Reed today. Said let do. We were talking about MotoGP, and I was recording some stuff that we're going to play you know, on next week's podcast as we're going to expand on MotoGP as we get closer to their first test of the year. But I was like, Chad, do you have any comments on what happened? Because Jason and I look at this through a road racing lens, and we know what happens in road races, you know? And so I was curious to find out from your perspective, Chad Reed, champion, and, you know, I don't know, just crazy race winner, what your perspective was. Because the one thing we do know, Jason is that we don't see red flags very often in Supercross and these riders don't have to deal with it. And post-race, I think Justin Cooper even said, like, I don't think I've ever done a Supercross with a red flag. So right, it was, I saw that, was, yeah. Even though they're, they're knowledgeable about red flags, I think yeah. it was new territory for them. So anyway, I wanted to get Chad's opinion of it. And it's just about four and a half minutes, but I think it's some good stuff. So here's what Chad had to say about the incident.
2: First and foremost... There's no bigger heroes on the racetrack than the Alpine Star medical crew. Those guys are, you know, they're our solid humans. They're really, they, they're they there, they got our back. But in my personal opinion, in this particular case, uh, the medic had no business doing what he did. He was 100%, in my opinion, in the wrong. Um, that is a live racetrack. You learn at a, such a very, very young age. You don't step onto a race on a live racetrack, and and I think that it's it, it's it's a, a communications problem because you gotta understand that he has a headset on. His headset hears. He's probably heard red flag, so he thinks and understands that the racetrack is red flagged. So it's not necessarily a, a live racetrack, and he's he's mine. And this is just me kind of guessing of all the scenarios and trying to give him the benefit of the doubt because in my mind. What McAdoo did wasn't – I don't think he did anything wrong. Like I watched it over and over because I'm like – I was so like caught off guard by it. And like I said, the TV was misleading because I was like, why are they still racing? It's a red flag. And then when you kind of back up, you see it. They did not – they were not under red flag situation at that point. Only half the field was because they you know, – for whatever reason, and I don't know how it is in, in road racing, but – we really only receive a red flag at the finish. Um, You know, like we don't, you know, we don't have lights. Like I know that not all Motor America tracks have red lights, but I know that like, you know, the bigger races, sometimes there's red lights or, you know, flashing or, you know, like every, uh, every flag um, stand has a red flag. I don't, I don't believe that that's the case in Supercross. I don't believe that every, corner marshal has access to a red flag um it's my experience and i could be wrong but it's my experience there's only one possibly two individuals on the racetrack that have a red flag um and so so you you have to first understand that only half the field is under uh red flag conditions uh like the leaders are not they are they are going you know in their mind and and they're you know they're on a on a live racetrack So Cameron, if you if you go by play by play, they all roll the track because the red flag, I mean, the red class flags are out. The tough block was blocking the whole inside of the racetrack um, to protect the rider down the medic that was attending and also the corner marshal. Um, And so there was only half a racetrack. And at this point, you should never you should never split the tough block and the downrider. Like I I think I would have been more mad and disappointed in McAdoo had he have tried to split the, the those two things. So McAdoo in my mind, he did the right thing. The you know, all things led to him having to go on the outside and the high side. And then, you know, Cooper goes by, well then the corner marshal I mean the the medic just you know casually steps right in front of McAdoo like I'm I still actually just talking about it now I'm blown away that he had such you know no care to like what was really happening on the racetrack and and the and the only excuse and the only thing that I can think is that in his headset he's heard that the race has been red flagged and and then he just believes that everyone is not on a live racetrack and that everyone should be somewhat willing to come to a stop or the race is over, you know? And in that case, I feel like it's a racing incident and it's, it's kind of just a a bad scenario, right. That played out on live TV. So that's, that's my take on it. I think it was a, a real, it's a real bummer in all, in all situations. You know, I, I, I assume that McAdoo didn't feel great hitting a medic and a down rider, you know, and then the medic probably felt pretty stupid, you know, stepping out in front of a, an oncoming rider, you know.
0: So a lot of good points from Chad. What do you think? Man, tons of great points. Um,
1: number one, uh, you know, he talks about the red flag being there at start finish line only. And to me, that's crazy because if you only have you have five, six, eight guys go by that red flag or, or miss it. And then they start it with the 21st place guy out of 22 gets the red flag. It's like, there's going to be 19 guys still on the pipe, you know? So that to me seems a little crazy that they don't have red flags at each station so that maybe when start finish line displays a red flag, everybody should be displaying a red flag. Uh, number two, the headset thing. Yeah, absolutely. You would think that they're all on headsets. Maybe though, maybe, and this is just a maybe, um, if they tell everybody that the red flag is out, uh, bikes should be slowing down or whatever um, at that point. Yeah. You got to look the one point he makes. You just literally cannot, cannot argue with is anytime you are near a live racetrack, you better keep your eyes up at all times. So if you're a medic, you're a corner worker, you don't turn your back to the racing. You always keep your eyes forward ahead, wherever the action's coming from. So, you know, you know that you're safe. So, The fact that, you know, when you look at it, where the corner worker was actually standing, he could have been looking back down through that whoop section that these guys are coming at him on. He probably should have had the wherewithal to know uh, there's still bikes coming at me. So I should be a little bit aware of that. Um, So there's a a number of things there. And like Chad says, too, is it's like it's a communication area. There's something's got to change there. Something's got to be different uh, or or something's got to be made differently to where, When there's a situation like that, because these medic guys, the thing about them is they're, like he said, they are the heroes of the, of the place. And if they think that a guy is really, really hurting or tragically hurting, uh, to the point where they need to get to him immediately, they're the kind of people that block their own lives out for us to get to us first. But that, that said, they can't be working on us if they're hurt themselves. So they got to look out for themselves a little bit first And I thought there was just a ton of great points from a guy who, you know, obviously has done (laughs) a million supercross races.
0: Yeah. And I would have to think that the AMA, who's really responsible for all that stuff, is going to be looking at this procedure and take a look at it. You know, for those that maybe don't know much about that procedure in road racing. I mean, if you think about it, we race at tracks that are what? 2.1, 2.2 miles all the way up to four miles long. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in our instance, we do have flags Um, at every single station. So when a red flag gets called out, everyone knows because at a place like road America, it could be quite a long time before you're at start finish line. We do have lights, uh, you know, like, like Chad's talking about that'll flash red. In addition to that, though, um, the, it's like when you are a racer, when you're on the racetrack, no matter what position you're in, but especially if it's early in the race and you're the race leader and you see a red flag. Immediately, you're supposed to take your hand off the bar, the left side, not the right side, the throttle, and really wave your hands because in in road racing, you know, you can be behind the bubble, and if yeah. you're drafting someone, you're staring at their wheel, and you can yeah. miss that that situation. So we're aware of it, and so that was kind of the lens that I was looking through initially was yeah. like, whoa, why didn't they see the red flag? And then when I went back and I did, you know, review it a few times. You know, uh, the director played
1: a bunch on your TV. Like, go I did, back yeah, yeah, I yeah. did, because yeah. it really,
0: like Chad said, it 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 kind of shocked me. It really took me by surprise. And and honestly, I have to give a little bit of props to McAdoo in the sense that he was able to restart that race, and it didn't seem like it was really too shook because you know the corner worker he hit the he, or I'm sorry, he hit the medical, the Alpine Stars medical staff, but he also hit the head oh, of Alex Martin. Alex's yeah. head was kind of like down on the ground. And he hit him. And, and thank goodness Alex still had his helmet on. Um,
1: it did you know, look rather, bad though. It did. It, it looked did, bad it, on it, TV. It
0: looked bad. It did. And so, I, you know, I would have been shaken, you know. Well, and you day know day why day. they
1: didn't, you know, they know why they didn't replay it because they didn't know, you know, like what goes on with us when Greg and I are in the booth, basically when there's an accident, especially one that doesn't look like somebody's getting up right away, you know, they don't, they don't just keep replaying it and showing it. Um, just out of respect. I mean, that's just kind of what you do. I remember there must've been about four years ago. Uh, was it four years ago, Greg, when we saw Hayden Gillen have that horrendous crash and turn yes. one at Jersey. Mm-hmm. And we had some people that maybe weren't as experienced as we have now in the truck. And, and, and they kept on replaying it and replaying it and replaying it. And we didn't know how hurt Hayden was. Thankfully he was okay, but it looked, it looked like, like the worst type of injury that you could have as fast as he went into that barrier. So you know, out of respect, they're not going to show that replay and we're not going to really get to hear what, you know, Lee Diffie and Ricky Carmichael more specifically are going to say about that incident. Um, you know, and then we're, you know, we're just very, very lucky that we got, you know, somebody like Chad Reed that could come on and, and tell us from his perspective as a Supercross writer um, what what he sees and what he notices. So, um, yeah, big thanks to Chad, obviously, for, for doing that and, and, you know, always being a supporter of the podcast. I, I, I really want you to ask him a couple of questions for me that we'll talk about away from this when we get him on the on the show next week uh, or whenever that's going to be. Because,
0: well, I've he, already recorded it. I've already recorded it, but oh, I'll yeah. get him on again. Yeah. So we'll talk we'll about him on whatever again. questions you have. And well, I'll definitely get him on again. Yeah. Because
1: if you follow him and you see it, he, he like has a, what I love about Chad and some of the stuff he writes and says, or mostly what he writes, you know, he'll say he'll take digs on Twitter. And it's one of those things where, if you know, you know, type of thing. And I don't claim to know at all, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but there was a couple that he did last week that kind of had me laughing and I would love to ask him about them. Um, okay. even, you know, just, just, just to do I'll it. Make so a list.
0: he, he, and he's actually on the road for five weeks with his kids. Cause they're oh, racing, that's great. they're racing BMX and he's so pumped about all that. <laughs> stuff, so he's got a fifth wheel. He's on the road. So he'll have some time to kill. So I definitely can follow up with him.
1: Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, Let's go ahead and talk about the decline here in uh, in the good old pulp fantasy. I was riding pretty big high, Greg. I was like kind of in that top 10, chasing Gilbert down the whole time, and I've had two out of three weeks that have just been like brutal, like not good at all. And I've dropped all the way down to I think it's 23rd. Uh, more importantly, to make myself feel better, I went back and you got the old hockey sticks. You're 77th, you're, you know – and, and what's even better is you're only two points ahead of Uncle Skip. Two points. Two. Mm-hmm. And he has done –
0: how many rounds did he miss? Two? He missed two, and I missed one. Yeah, well, so <laughs> he should be ahead of you. That's what you're saying. <clears throat> like I'm all like, yeah. No, he, where's, he, where's no Chuck? I'm not saying he should. Oh, be Chuck's, Chuck's- He's fifty-eight. 58. Nice so work, like, Chuck. Yeah, and, and so we have obviously the Pulp MX Fantasy. You can go check it out. We, you know, you got to stay yeah. on top of it. Though you have to do it every week. If you don't put your picks in every week, you get a big goose egg. Yeah, it's, it's a great battle up top, by the way. That are battling for the Uriah Helmet between Showber yeah. twenty-six and and uh, Poncho huge week, and a huge race. week for Schobert. two fifty-eight. That's a big week because they that's,
1: that's a he, deal, he, yeah. he scored two twelve week before that, which is low. Uh, looking at, at his lowest, it's one. 80 so and that was like in round four so he's been pretty consistently killing it which is good with a high score round of 303 at indy with indy one that is so showbert right now 26 is killing it which i like um poncho second hucklebuck racing is third but uh but right now showbert and poncho are the only twos that have got over 1900 points and they've got a pretty big lead over over hucklebuck racing michael is he actually is up to eighth. His bad weeks haven't been that bad. He had one ninety three. He had one twenty five at Salt Lake. One that killed him. But it's been a lot of fun, and it's amazing how many comments I get from people on Instagram and things like that, uh, just about you know kind of what's going on with with uh, with pulp fantasy. It's been fun for us to do. Are you now? Done?
0: Are you done? Because I know I have a couple things to say. Number one, no, I don't want to hear it. No- Masshole is just a couple points behind you, getting ready to reel you in He's and not just gonna check out me. on you. No. Kevlar too, Kevlar. Kevin is is right behind. All I'm saying, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, uh, so I'm 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 pulling for you guys. Let's go. Shuffle yeah. JP backwards. No. Let's get him on page two. So why I would I want him. to be?
1: I don't want to be on page two back there with you. I just don't, I don't want, want to be to on it.
0: page two. I'm not saying I want to be on page two. I'm now, saying I want you on page two with me.
1: All right. Well, uh, great. And then let's go to the. F- to the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Fantasy Supercross that we do with Uncle Skip.
0: That's just a private thing that we do on our own. I don't. I that's beautiful. We don't beautiful. need to talk about that. I no, mean, I'm, I'm going to talk about that. No, real that's quick. Not, that's not appropriate for the podcast. Let's see where are you at?
1: at, dude. There's, you and Chuck uh, are DFL one and DFL two. It's not good. Oof. I'm not even going to mention who's winning because it would just be boasting. So I'm not going to do that.
0: Seventy people in that one. And JP is leading the way. So I want to get to. Pretty large margin, actually.
1: Yeah, I had a good week last week. I kind of just been, yeah, get kind of lucky. Um, but yeah, we'll see. But I want to, you know, Greg, I want to start doing this. I didn't even tell you that we're going to do this because we're just ad libbing this thing as we go. Even though you do a rundown, I should probably tell you, but I'm not going to. But did you see. Uh, did, yeah, I know. I know. I'm just spouting. You, you
0: literally did, made no sense. You stupid.
1: Uh, that's OK. I so. What? So. Did you see the 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 tweet that I got from Chris Lennox? No. So if, if Chris is listening to this, I replied to it, okay? And and you replied to it. So it just shows you're not listening to our listeners, which is sad. But it says in the last podcast, uh, this is to you, you were starting to make a point of the over 40 class, and he wanted to hear your take on that, even if I keep interrupting you. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, mm-hmm. shut up, Greg. I'm interrupting you now. And he was very kind. He says he loves the podcast. It's a must listen for him every week, which thank you, Chris, for listening. So I wanted to just make sure that we get Chris and any other listeners that don't know what the Formula 40 is, that Greg is coming out here to California to get his ass kicked in. Um, kicked I wanted, in. Kicked uh, in. Kicked on. And not just kicked ass in.
0: kicked. I'm getting my ass kicked in. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And, well, Hold, on. And, and, Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Wait. Tuesday yeah. at 9.19 p.m. East. Jason turns on Greg. Okay, I just wanted to make a note. No, no, no.
1: I've still got something. You're gonna be so happy with me when you come out here. You're gonna be so pumped. You are. It's like legitimately, all like friend stuff aside, and, and all the crap that we give each other, you're gonna be stoked when you come out here. I I've, okay. I've got you, I've got your back, G Dub. And I know you don't believe that. But <laughs>
0: I believe it.
1: Yeah. And I, so, I believe it. Greg answers Formula Forty classes for everyone over forty. You don't have to line up against some kid who thinks they're going to be the next Val Rossi. This is coming from you, I believe. When you yeah, race against people that have to uh, that have the same priorities, like a job on Monday, things are a bit more civil. So, uh, a couple questions for you before yes. we okay. Formula Forty uh, is 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 a class at most club race scenes now that we go to. Formula Forty is a class that has guys and a little bit elder statesmen, 40 years old. In this case, Greg's 58 or whatever he is, but he's going to ride Formula 40, right? (laughs) Right. And and so exactly what Greg says. You don't have to worry about the next up and coming guys. You don't have to worry about getting your head kicked in. The only problem, Greg, is that Formula 40 here is a little different than Formula 40 at most, I believe. Now, I don't go to most, but these guys are like – ripping out here the guy who wins formula 40 out here is doing minute 49s on a 600 oof so uh, the fact that greg's uh, done around two flat on a yosh bike here on a yosh super bike eight years ago would you not flat yeah i can't imagine it's going to be much better on a on a 636 why do I even bother? I'm just saying. So Chris, first off, thank you very much. And I, I wrote back to him too, that if I let you go on all the time, we're going to have to hear about your, your fledgling racing career that you once thought you had. And, and so I don't mean to interrupt you G-Dub. Um, but Greg's coming out here to ride formula 40 against my friend, David Cole. Well, friend is a loose term. And <laughs> yeah, he was going to send you, you know what he's going to talk do? About he was going to send a, what? he was going to send a picture of you today. Of today, he was going to send a picture of, and he still might, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm dousing out his fire right now, but he's going to send a picture of you of him, Mike, him and Michael Dunlop saying, this is
0: new, you know, another coach of his that he's had out here working with him. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Yeah. So look, Colb and I are doing two races though. We're doing two. So we're going to do formula 40. I yeah. don't know what the class is, but we're going it's to... A, it. It's a middle, middleweight
1: Formula middleweight middleweight. 40, Greg. Yes, is yes. it
0: ultra lightweight? Because we're going to be racing yeah. Ninja 400s, uh, yes. courtesy of Feel Like a Pro. So if you go to feellikeapro.com, um, they're, they're rental bikes that are race prepped, and you can actually rent them and race them and and do all that kind of stuff. So Ryan Peterson has got to set up with that. So Colb and I are going to do two classes. Um, I am really close to starting my diet because how long do we have is it like three weeks or a <laughs> month or something so i'm going to start working i'm going to start good. working out soon and i'm going to start losing weight soon so i can work my way into those leathers everything i can't i came
1: into the garage this morning and there was a big box of winchell's donuts i'm like uh, is this the weekend G Dub's here i thought it was like oh goodness. man i got my week got my weeks mixed up and it, then i realized it's a tuesday so it's not really a weekend Dude, but
0: Winchell's still is out there. Winchell's yeah, donuts is still Winchell's out
1: there. Donuts. Yeah, it is. It's oh here. Oh my
0: god, dude! I used to have a i used to live in San Jose when I was a kid, and we used to go yeah. to Winchell's, man. Oh, yeah. Amazing. As a kid,
1: you'd still go. So, but yeah. Well, but I'm Cole, just saying, Cole brought you know, him in. I'll, you got to be yeah. out there yeah. on a
0: Thursday, so maybe Winchell's donuts is my throwback Thursday. You Get know, I think about it. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Huh? huh?
1: Huh? Yeah. Huh? 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 yeah. Huh? yeah. Huh? So, anyways, thank you, Chris. That's Formula Forty. And uh, yeah. actually, Greg, you're going to do fine because you're going to get some days on the bike coming up here in a few weeks. And I got yeah. you back and we're going to sort you out. And it'll be All great. Right.
0: All right. So, Jay, let's transition to some MotoGP. Yeah, let's stuff, do it. Because yeah. um, we're really less than two weeks away from when MotoGP is going to start their official test. And that is the MotoGP class, March 6th in Qatar. So I thought we'd take a look at the Premier class right now and look at who is on what for 2021 who's moved from what team to another team, and talk about what we see. But, Jay, let's, let's just focus. Let's not focus on rookies. We'll do that next podcast. Plus, we're going to have more from Chad Reed on his opinion. So I'm going to go through some names here just to kind of give people a general idea of what it looks like. The maximum amount of riders, I think, on the paddock is going to be, what, 22? Because I think there's still two slots open, mm-hmm. 24. But, Jay, let's start with uh, Johan Zarco. Johan Zarco moves to the Pramac team on a Ducati. Um what is your view on you know Johann Zarco obviously he was on a KTM not too long ago factory team you know bailed out mid season gets on the um Esponsorama team I believe it was and then now he's moved up to Pramac what do you think about Johann Zarco and type of season he's going to have
1: when you look back and you sit there and you think about things you go like wow what if he had just held it out just a little bit longer cuz wasn't it at the end of the year uh, or no, it would have been this year. He, when did he quit, Greg? Was it this year that he quit? Or no, was it, it was it? 2019.
0: 19. Of 2019. Yeah, correct.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So when you sit there and you look back at it, you go, they get Danny Pedrosa in there. He seems to make the bike, uh, a little bit better. And next thing you know, KTM wins three races and pretty incredible. Um, but that said, he did show some promise. Obviously he was involved in that horrendous accident in Austria last year. Um, I really, I believe in Zarko. I think the talent he has is, is there. Um, And I think that going into this season, uh, you know, on the Ducati itself, I think he will be Jack Miller's probably biggest uh, rival as far as Ducati to Ducati. I think, you know, when you look at some of the other guys that are going to be on Ducati's um, Pecco is going to be, you know, Miller's teammate, but I, he just, he hasn't really done much the last well, the last half of last season, he didn't do anything, did he? I mean, after his bike blew up in Jerez in a podium position, he just didn't do much. I think Zarco could be primed for a pretty decent year.
0: All right. Danilo Petrucci moves to Tech 3 KTM Factory Racing. Petrucci from the Factory Ducati team to a KTM. What do you think?
1: I think I think when you look at Danilo, uh, anytime the wet, he's going to be great. I think he's going to be coming from a big confidence boost. It seems like through what we've read and seen with him, uh Ducati's opened up the door in the sense of like we're you know or close the door KTM's opened up the door and said we want you to be part of the family it's got to give him a lot of confidence do you know Greg when he signed that contract um I don't believe that KTM had won yet so I mean obviously at the beginning of last year he gets fired before he even gets to do the first round of his season um he'd worked all his life to get on a Ducati he wins at Mugello I think the KTM transition will be good for him. It'll just be well, how well he can adapt to that bike. He seems to be a little bit of a hot and cold rider to me, but I think that um, with the confidence of going to that team, KTM is definitely on the upswing. So I don't think it's a bad move for him.
0: Plus, he brings a lot of knowledge about the electronics package that Ducati has and how Correct. they deal with certain situations. So I think he's a good addition to the team. Maverick Vinales doesn't change on the Monster Energy Yamaha MotoGP team, but he's joined by Fabio Quartararo, who moves up from the Patronus team as Franco Morbidelli stays, as well as Valentino Rossi goes to the Patronus Yamaha team. So looking at those four Yamaha riders, what are you seeing right now? Because obviously there's been a freeze on development, you know, in well, terms of when, uh, you, look at, of
1: when you look at when you look at the Yamaha team for me, okay. The couple things that I look at are to me, Vinales is, is always fast on his day. He's a incredible tester. He hasn't really turned that into a bunch of race wins. And when you look at it and you think to yourself, well, not too many other people are doing anything either, but Cuatro started off hot last year, really, really solid, um, on the same bike. And uh, actually they, they were on a year older frame, weren't they? the, the other two, but I thought yes. Quattoraro got the updated stuff. I thought Morbidelli was the he only did. one on the um, Morbidelli okay.
0: was the only one on the A spec. They called it.
1: So when you look at some of the stuff, I I kind of have question marks with both Vinales and Quateraro. Maybe more so with Quateraro, even though he got signed after winning, he was going to get straight to the factory team. He was really less than impressive the last half of last season. Last especially the last four or five races six races seems to be like. I don't even know these guys, right? But when you look at it, you talked earlier about the mental side of racing. It just seems like sometimes Quattro is there. Sometimes he's not. I definitely look at Morbidelli as the shining star on, on that brand next year on the Yamaha. I think he's coming off a great season. Nobody would have picked him to finish second uh, in the championship. Nobody probably would have picked him to be the best Yamaha rider at the end of the year. But while all of the spotlight and stuff was on the other three with Quattro, Vinales, and obviously Rossi, um, I think that, that Morbidelli just kind of snuck in there and was doing his thing so much so that now, you know, we've read that Yamaha wants to go back to the chassis that Morbidelli was on last year. So they've basically, have kind of almost gone a little bit backwards on the development as far as they, they feel like they can't do something maybe better. That's how I would read into it. And as far as Rossi goes, you know, you never would ever want to force anybody to retire. I think I'm a little bit old school. I still want to believe that he can still go out and win. Um, but I man, it just gets harder the older you get. And with the younger guys coming in, we've seen this, you know, in so many other sports where, man, it's just the young guys have no fear of Valentino Rossi anymore. There was a time when he was so feared, and there was only one guy that wasn't fearful of him, and that was Mark Marquez. And then Kyle Lorenzo came in, and he wasn't fearful either. And then, so now there's 15 guys on the grid against Rossi that
0: aren't really scared by him,
1: you know? Um, I'd be surprised to see him go much more than this year.
0: But I will say this, if you look at it, he is, he's going to have a new crew, you know, kind of a new environment. It's been a long time on the factory team and his first time in the premier class, not on a full factory effort. It could be a situation where he's refreshed, you know, so it could be a Tom Brady situation. I'll just oh, leave it. Here we go. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. What about, um, uh, Likawona on the tech three KTM factory racing team comes back, Brad Binder on the fact, you know, on the Red Bull KTM factory team. Um, You know, what do you see from those guys continuing on, on their path as well as by the way, um, you know, you have Miguel Oliveira coming back on the Red Bull team. So I think
1: again, when you look at it, nobody would have expected Brad Binder myself specifically, wouldn't have expected Brad Binder to win or Oliveira to win last year. So I would have been uh, as a betting guy, I would have lost a lot of money on that. I think that um, when you look at uh, Oliveira, very, very impressive last three quarters of the uh, last half of the season, I guess he was pretty impressive. It seemed like Binder won, and then it was kind of like struggled the rest of the season. He put in a couple rides here and there, but a lot of those ended up on the ground. Um, Lecawona, I think, uh, is a is a solid guy. Probably learned a lot his first year in MotoGP. We'll learn even more going forward. So it'll be interesting to see if he's able to take what he did last year. Kind of reminds me a little bit of a Morbidelli. I think the other three guys are going to get a lot more talked about than he is. Um, meaning Petrucci and Binder and Oliveira. Lecumon has just got to keep sneaking up on these guys, learning. He's young, uh, he's aggressive. And I think that it'll just be interesting to see how he kind of moves along.
0: A fresh look for the Ducati Lenovo team. Does they get a sponsor this year? Jack Miller and Bagnaia. You already talked about Bagnai a little bit, but let's talk about Miller and uh and Peko. What do you think about the full blown factory effort for those guys?
1: Well, I think it's well deserved uh, for Jack Miller. I think he's, you know, he's a guy that came from Moto three, went straight to Moto GP. As we know, uh, he's learned a lot over the seasons. Um, I like his. It seems like his work work ethic is amazing, and he finally got the opportunity that he's been craving to be on that factory bike, factory team. He over, he he overshadowed Dovey, uh and Petrucci all last year. If you remember, Greg, when he was riding for Pramac, it kind of came down between him and Petrucci to get that factory seat. Um, and, and, you know, Petrucci ended up getting it. I think that he rode with a chip on his shoulder to make sure that he got that seat back. And and he made Dovey look bad last year, even though Dovey did get a victory in Austria. He didn't look very good for the rest of the season, um, on the same bike. So I think when you look at it, Miller's got to be the guy that's going to carry the torch forward for Ducati. Um, and I expect that, that Bagnaia is going to get better. There's no question about that. But right now, when you, when you ask me, you know, sort of in February before these guys get to testing, Bagnaya really was on the back foot last year at the end of the season. Didn't seem like anything was really going right for him. He was tossing it down the road. He was kind of one of the last Ducatis as well when all the Ducatis were up. So, bit of a struggle, I think. Uh, but I, I, I expect good things from Miller this year.
0: And Elasius Spargaro on the Aprilia. We don't. <sighs> just, we don't know just who just is going to take this- right. Yeah, we don't know Lorenzo Salvadori or Bradley Smith yet. There's a lot of chatter about it, but we know Aleish is going to be on there. I mean, at this point, I'm almost willing to skip over it because we've got to see if they come up with anything interesting. Yeah,
1: but they've already tested. They tested in Jerez, um, and if you notice at this time, it didn't seem like Aleish was as verbally excited as he was at the end of his test last year when they said, Oh, this is going to be the best bike ever. We're going to do great things. And then it did what it did. I did hear a little bit from Bradley Smith this, this last week, funny enough about a completely different topic. Um, but Bradley just seems to, you know, put his muddy boots on and get in the trenches and, and do the work and, and do what he needs to do. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they give that to him or Savadore. Like you said, I thought I read something this week that said that it went to Savadore. I could be wrong on that, Greg, but, it was, it was- um,
0: Yeah, It's not a done official thing. It's more like speculation because people, you know, Bradley's involved with another project and he has been doing the rounds on podcasts and I'm sure we'll get him on here as well. I want to let things settle out a little bit more with what actually happens before we talk to Bradley. Um, Suzuki, team Suzuki X-Star. I mean, the riders stay the same. The numbers stay the same, but management changes. So anything, you know, different from what we've seen. I mean, obviously I think Rins will do better this season because he's hopefully going to come into the season unhurt.
1: Well, this is where you hope that the team members that are still there that were there last year will look at whatever they can do to duplicate what they did last year, whether it's the simplicity of the way Brivio ran that team or not, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, Again, us not being over there, Greg, we don't get the complete ins and outs of MotoGP, but he obviously did a very nice job at taking that team to a world championship with a guy that nobody probably was even on the radar to win a world championship, Joan Mir last year. And let's be honest, Joan Mir did that through consistency. Take nothing away from the guy. He won his. He won the uh, the race. Uh, he won a race in Valencia at one of the most pivotal times in the championship. Um, it was really important for him to get a race win. You and I both, I think, breathe a little sigh of relief. That said, I do believe that Rins would be one of my guys that I would choose as, as the dark horse this year to to try to win this championship because he's got the experience now. It's gotta it's gotta eat at him a little bit that his teammate, you know, the guy that they kind of hired behind him. Uh, has already got that, that number one world championship, you know, up on the play, uh, up on the, um, uh, stool mantle. at home, you know, yeah. The yeah, mantle yeah, the at mantle. home for sure. And, oh, yeah. and I think that Renz is going to come into the season strong and hungry. And, and I think a lot of these guys are going to look back and go, Hey, you know, we want to win. Winning is important. Um, but putting consistent years together and scoring every weekend, uh, that's, that's, that's what's, that's what it's going to take.
0: And finally, we've got to talk about Honda because this yeah. is where news gets interesting. Taka Nakagami, who's one of my favorite riders, remains on the LCR Honda team in his position. Alex Marquez goes from the Repsol factory team to LCR Honda Castrol team. Polis Barguro now teams with Mark Marquez. Polis Barguero, new challenge for him. After looking at a KTM, that was race winning. And Mark Marquez still a question mark with his brother moving down. What do you see about the Honda mess right now? Well,
1: I got to think right now that there's only, you know, when you look at the Honda thing, there's no way that you cannot talk about Mark Marquez in the sense that it's already been brought out that he's not doing the test. I mean, listen, Greg, it's oh, we're we're coming up on uh, not quite a year, I realize, but eight months now of, I mean, the guy's obviously got a major, major, major issue, and Honda's got to be scrambling and wondering. Who are they going to get? What are they going to do? They've already come out and said that Stefan Brattle will continue to, to fill the role of Mark Marquez. If he isn't there, um, for Paul Espargro, it, it's going to be a new, it's a whole new system for him. So, um, before he signed this deal with KTM, even a year or so ago, I said that that would be the guy that I would go after because it looks like he can ride the, the, the Honda much the way he rode the KTM. He's a very aggressive guy. Um, I think that he will be a guy that will, um, get better as they go on that bike. When you look at Takenakagami, I mean, he really was coming on strong at the last half of the year. Didn't he get a pole position, I believe in Valencia, Greg, Mm -hmm. um, at one of the last rounds. Um, so I think, you know, Takenakagami, Japan's been waiting a lot of years to get a guy that can go try to win and stay involved in this, uh, MotoGP championship all the way to the year, end of the year. So Nakagami for me is, is another guy that would just love to be able to see that consistency. You got to make it to where your, your bad weekends could be a fifth or a sixth rather than in the gravel or 12th, you know, and for Alex Marquez, I think he tried to prove a lot there last year. He ends up getting a podium, uh, had, a, had a couple of great runs. Um, but towards the end of the season, again, it wasn't, I think he started to push even harder. You know, you taste that fruit once you want to go back and take another bite um it's gotta feel you gotta you gotta hope and think that Honda have made this feel like more of a step sideways rather than a step backwards, not so much of a um you know, making it look like he's second or third or fourth best, you know. Um yeah, when, you see, leather when you
0: see weather color you know what I mean? Like the leather, the color of the leathers just changed and that the equipment going to remain the same. But when, you see, this,
1: when you see this, when you see this is another guy that kind of got fired before his season even started last year. It was a weird just, 2020. It was, it was like, strange. It was
0: crazy. You
1: know, these, these guys are getting, these guys are uh, signing on and getting a deal done. And then they're saying to you after you've done your deal, um, we're going to move you over to this team, even though you haven't even spun a wheel on our bike yet, you're off the factory team. So how that sits with him. I mean, you know, everything that we read, everything that we see, you know, appears great. But as a, as a writer, you, you've got to be thinking, man, these guys don't have the confidence in me to be on this factory seat. That's got to take a ding in a writer's head you would expect. So, you know, but the big worry for me is, I mean, is Mark Marquez going to come back? I mean, the the longer this kind of thing goes, the more you start thinking to yourself, you know, Greg, not being on a bike since, What was it last year they did it? Was it in May when that first race of the year was last year? I think it was in May.
0: In May or late April? So he hasn't been on a bike since
1: then. You got to remember, these guys are on motorcycles four times a week. They're motocrossing. They're super motarding. They're they're dirt tracking. It's- it's, it's, Oh volleys. You lose something. You really do. And it's not not that you can't get that back, but when you see what everybody else has been on bikes and doing their thing, it's- it's a scary situation right now, and only Marc Marquez and his doctors and his team around him know exactly where he's at. But i tell you, Greg, the longer that stuff goes on, the, the, the gnarlier and scarier that is. And then you start to really think to yourself, he doesn't really have to come back. I mean, he's really done
0: everything he can do. So anyways, pretty, pretty gnarly situation there. And next week, we'll talk about some of the rookies. Well, there's only three rookies this season. I say only three. All of them are on a Ducati. It'll be Luca Marini and Aya and Jorge Martin that we'll be talking about. So a good run at who's on what team for MotoGP. And um, we're getting ready to wrap this thing up, Jay. On next week's show, we'll, of course, talk more MotoGP. We'll also get some comments from Chad Reed on his opinions because he's about as big of a MotoGP fan as we are. Right? And, And he also has great insight because he's, He's friends with a lot of the same people and some different people, you know, and has a different conversation than I have because I'm like outside in and he's just like another racer guy that they, like Valentino, you know, looked up to Chad Reed for his supercross and motocross stuff. Yeah. Um, yep. So we'll have more awry news. Supercross is off next week. So no supercross. Oh, stuff it's not Daytona
1: any- next week. It's two weeks away, huh? Two
0: weeks away. Correct. So we have a ah, break from good. there. Let's so those guys we'll have- get
1: healthy. Hopefully.
0: Yeah, so we'll spend quite a bit of time with Chad. As um, When I initially said, hey, let's just talk talk real quick. It'll be about 10 minutes. It was 48 minutes, so I've got a lot of editing to do. But uh, a look ahead to this week's race calendar. Arena Cross invades Tampa, Florida Friday and Saturday nights. Go check that out. And the Mid-South Cross Country is in Hurricane Mills, Tennessee. Like I mentioned, our boy Jake Lewis will not be racing in that any longer because he is now back to being a road racer even though he does have a job. Like I texted him this morning. He texted me back. He said, sorry, I was at my job. And I was yeah. like, oh yeah, great. you have a job.
1: Yeah. That's, that's the reality right now. Hopefully some of these guys start being able to make a living racing bikes again. It would certainly be nice, but, uh, but yeah, another great podcast, Greg. Thanks for doing the work with Chad. Thanks Chad for being on and I'm looking forward to next week. I don't know where I'm going to be able to, I'm still going to be on the road next Tuesday. So we're going to have to figure out where I'm going to do this. It'll probably be from some random hotel again. Um, t- Tuesday or Wednesday. And, uh, I finally get to go home next Wednesday night. It'll be three weeks away from home for me. And I'm the furthest away I've been, Greg is about four hours from my house, but I just, yeah, haven't been able to make it back there.
0: I'm bouncing back and forth. Like I said, I'm in Alabama Thursday. I'm back Sunday and then I'm home, I think for the, for the week. And then I'm out to California to start Love buying it. motors. So, so hardly wait. That. yeah. So yeah, Jay, thanks great. for you the done. time. I appreciate it. Thanks to all your, your friends in the garages all waiting to talk to you about how the podcast was. Tell them to calm down. I'm going to edit tomorrow. You know, normally I try to post at about um, midday California time, 3.15 East, you know, and uh, so we'll get this out. So thanks a lot, Jay. I appreciate it, man. Any final words?
1: Just remember, Greg, when you're on your way out here, you're a champion. I'm a champion in your heart. I thought you'd just go straight to the music after that.